Hi everyone, welcome to Hot Seat with Cognizant Clay. I am your host, Clayton Terrio. Today on the show we have Cabby Richards. Cabby is best known for his work at The Score and TSN, with his segments Cabby Unlimited, Cabby on the Street, and Cabby Presents. He puts a humorous spin on interviews with athletes and is very well respected here in Canada. He is also known for his work with Motion Ball, which is a charity that raises funds and awareness for Special Olympics Canada. I hope you guys enjoy it. Oh, there we go. Good. How's it going? Excellent. I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it. No problem at all. No problem at all. Been a, uh, been a long time fan, so... Uh, Thank you. It's a blast, for sure. Thank you very much. Well, first of all, how are you doing during all this uh, quarantine? How has it affected you? Um, I've gotten fatter. <laughs> That's one of the unfortunate byproducts of uh, this quarantine era that we're in. I packed on the quarantine 15 like it's <clears throat> like it was going out of style, like food was going to be eradicated or something. So I was like, let me just hoard all the food. Terrible idea, because my stomach does not approve of that policy or that execute that plan not a good look yeah definitely not but it, it is what it is right might as well you might as well indulge yourself while you can <laughs> i suppose i gotta i have to pay the tax at some point so after our conversation i definitely or later today as uh, as it's in as i'm in las vegas it's scorching hot during the day so i have to either work out first thing in the morning or in the evening if i'm going to go outside run or, or get on the bike so I'm going to wait a few hours before I do that. Yeah, definitely. So for my guests who aren't aware, a lot of my friends are fans of you, but if people are watching, they don't know. So you're best known for your work at The Score and TSN here in Canada. You did segments Cabbie Unlimited, Cabbie on the Street, and also Cabbie Presents with TSN. Um, the first question I really wondered was, do you remember when it first clicked that you wanted to go into sports media or media in general? I don't think I had a direct plan, a deliberate plan like that. When I was in high school, a teacher suggested Ryerson. And I was like, oh, I, you know, in high school, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be like Will Smith and Denzel Washington with about 1% of their talent. Uh, so I was like, oh, maybe I'll learn about television and radio because I, I went to Ryerson for radio and television arts. Maybe I'll learn about those programs as a backdoor to get into film. So I'll have a little base of knowledge in media and then that might help me in my film career. Uh, it didn't really work out that way, but in my second year at Ryerson, when I was studying radio and television, a guy named Steph Gagnon, who was a, a third year student was like, hey man, they need interns at Headline Sports, which was the score before the score. And my friend, uh, Adnan Verk and myself were like, all right, man, let's get our resumes together. and. The only sort of t production that I had done is in high school, I used to edit the athletic banquet video and the football banquet video. So like the review of the season, put some highlights in there, mix in some movie clips from various Hollywood movies that I had on VHS. And that was it. So I was going to get some real life experience at Headline Sports. And when I got there, there was just so much talent. We were very much like a small market baseball team. We used to call ourselves the Montreal Expos. Whereas TSN was like the New York Yankees and Sportsnet, which opened its doors a year later, but was backed by CTV, was like the Red Sox or the Dodgers. So these had these giant conglomerates behind them and we were just the little upstarts. So 
that's how I, uh, that's how I got started in, in the business, but it wasn't, there wasn't a deliberate plan. They're like, let me try to be an interviewer. That just happened organically. Right. And, and I was reading a few articles about you just saying how acting was the first, you know, career plan for you, but it, it just, it never really happened. And, and I think. Did not materialize now. And, My and talent and was really the biggest hurdle. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. In a lot of your interviews, you always said entertain before you inform. And I think that that was a lot different because a lot of a lot of people on TV are no offense, but boring. They just, you know, it's it's very cut and dry. And you were yourself. And that that's something I really admired. And, and I followed myself because you, humor humor goes a long way. Right. And it, it, it really does help, especially being a disabled individual. Just I make fun of myself all day. It's 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 quite funny and it's humorous and, and it helps. It really does for sure. Um, and so you've interviewed several icons like Derek Jeter, Michael Jordan, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Crosby, Ovechkin, the list goes on and, and definitely most notably Kobe and rest in peace, Kobe, for sure. Uh, looking back, what are some of your top cherished moments of your career with the score in TSN? Uh, well, the score was, it was the community that we built. It was, um, like these hardcore fans that really embraced, I mean, they embraced hockey, but they embraced basketball and soccer and football. So, you know, TSN, I mean, still very much is a very, like hockey is very important to TSN as a, as a sport and as a broadcast partner and as a product. And at the score, you know, quite frankly, we didn't have the dollars to pay for some of those contracts to broadcast live games so we were, you know, we were a highlight station, but that allowed us to be very agile and be very responsive to the community, to our fans. And then we could try a bunch of stuff like a cabbie on the street segment or court cuts or having a 21 or 22 year old Tim McAuliffe or Sid Sixero be on the air anchoring a nightly sports show, but like fresh out of school and, you know, there, there were a bunch of us that were between 20 and 30. That was the bulk of the scores production staff that were really the driving force. And, you know, we'll, we'll never get, I'll never be in an environment like that again. And I really cherish it because everyone was young. We were all in multiple fantasy pools. Some of us were degenerate gamblers before that was a thing. I'm in Las Vegas right now working on Bleacher Report's betting portfolio. And now I work with some degenerate gamblers who bet on the first inning of baseball games. Like that's the level that they, and are actively betting on Korean baseball right now during a pandemic just because they need some of that action. Um, so, um, being like a young group of, and a young group of multicultural voices and faces was key to our development. It was very much Toronto. Like it was, there was, it was just like a, a mosaic of different ideas and voices and it was awesome. Uh, okay. So now athletes wise, uh, I remember making Sidney Crosby laugh and he does, he was very serious for a long time because he had the weight of the entire sport on his shoulders and he was thrusted to be the face of the sport right from the jump, right after the lockout season, 0506, it's him and Ovechkin. And then the media just pitted them against each other because they were like the most elite prospects since Eric Lindros. And I don't know who before Eric Lindros, probably, I mean, I don't, I wasn't old enough to know what kind of prospect Mark Messier was. I mean, I don't even want to go as far back as Wayne Gretzky, but there was some, probably someone in the eighties 
that was like a surefire, absolute stud. Maybe it was a Beret or a Fedorov or, but anyway, so, okay, making Cindy Crosby laugh, um, we did this bit about how do you tape your knob? And, yeah. uh, and I had a very, like, it took a few guys to click in what I was asking them with the obvious innuendo. So that moment where they click in was, was great. And, uh, okay, so that, and then uh, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers. Okay, Rodgers, one time we made him a, pup, a Muppet. That was amazing. And, like, these athletes don't know. They only agree to the five or ten minutes. So they like, just know on Wednesday, you know, this chubby Canadian guy's going to be here. And I, I really leaned into props in, in my TSN era as a differentiator to the content that I created at the score. It also gave us something to do. I used to do it at the score, but I really leaned into it at TSN. We would make specific – we had a budget where we could make – specific props like a Muppet to Aaron Rodgers. And, and like, it was so gratifying once he, the, um, every Sunday, the captains would take a photo on the sidelines. It could be a mix of offensive linemen. Um, it could be a cornerback. It could be someone on special teams, but it was three or four guys. So Rodgers used to, one of his things was like photo bombing his teammates. So one time he had the Muppet in the background with the captain's photo. I was like, yes, that was a, that was a W for me. Um, you mentioned Jeter. Okay, Jeter, I tried to get him once to reveal his top five women, and he wouldn't do it. Because, like, Jeter obviously has – he's an icon in baseball. 3,000 – I mean, his 3,000 hit, the guy hits a home run. I mean, he was the Yankees captain, won five titles, a couple of batting titles. Like, his legend is cemented. But obviously, off the field, he had a he – he was a legend for young, impressionable minds like myself because this dude was dating the most – he, from the most exclusive group of women imaginable. There was Miss World, there was Mariah Carey, Jessica Alba, Jessica Biel, Jessica Simpson. Uh, there were, uh, I think, Priyanka Chopra, I think he did. Like, Jeter, legend. So anyway, he, he wouldn't reveal it. Uh, okay, then uh, you mentioned, uh, who else you mentioned? Um, okay, Crosby and Ovi. Ovi, Ovi one time, I got him, before blogs became a thing, this is 2009, we would go cover the Stanley Cup Finals. And it was an eight-week journey. And I, had, I did these video logs called vlogs. And it was just like a minute, like, and I would just be in the arena. I'm like, okay, these are the towels for the game. Or some of the little nugget that I can add to the journey to the Cup is what we called this for from 2008, 9, and 10 at the score. Only once I got him to do like a blog entry on my laptop. And he's just sitting in his towel and uh, – He's like, uh, uh, what was it? What did he say? Priviat? No, Priviat, I think is thank you. He just wrote in Russian. And then I had to use like whatever preceded Google Translate, probably some Yahoo something to figure out what he was saying. Um, that's not really that great of an OV story. There's a, there's, a, there's a better one, which I can't tell here, but I was able to attend a rookie party, like an NHL rookie party. Those are a ton of fun. Not meant for broadcast. Anyway. Um, who else did you, did you mention anybody else in that little, is that, did I answer your question? I hope I did. Definitely. But Kobe for sure, because Kobe, oh, I think, I think okay. Kobe's is the number one for sure. Bean. So Bean, um, when did it really start to click with Bean? I guess it was maybe the, so the first time I met him, I interviewed him three times in the same day, morning after morning shoot around. 90 minutes before he played the Raptors and then after the game. So the first bit was, um, how do you feel about bandwagon fans? The next, what were the posters on your room as a kid? 
uh, on your walls in your room as a kid. And I can't remember the third thing, but at the end of each one of those interactions, I would ask him, hey, can I stay at your house? What's your address? What's your phone number? Three, four months later, at the All-Star Game in Houston in February 2006, I continued that thread. I tried that phone number. Do you have another one? Give me another phone number. Hey, I went to that address, but you weren't there. Can I have your other address? And it continued. So then he started to trust me. He's like, okay, I know what this guy's about. Um, so I can have fun with them. And then the moment where like it really clicked is the first time I went to LA to interview him, I brought pillows for a sleepover and CDs. And he was like, yo, you don't think I have pillows in my house? I'm like, well, I don't want to impose. Although I said, can I stay at your house? But then later I'm saying, I don't want to impose. But then at the end of it, he gave me an address. He's like, meet me here at 1 a.m. I'm like, 1 a.m.? He's like, yeah, yeah. 1251 like, Compton. I remember yes. that. Yes. So then we went and it turned out to be a church. And so for the audience back in Canada to see Kobe like that, it was an absolute change. It was a 180 degree change from the narrative that he built so um, uh, flawlessly on the court as being one of the most tenacious and incredible competitors in the sport and accomplished competitors as, uh, you know, 2008, he wins MVP, 2006, he scores 81 points to get the, against the Raptors. I think he also scored 62 against the Mavs in that same season. Uh, he was just an absolute monster. So um, that's when it really started to click with Cole. For sure. And, and I think the the one thing my dad and I always quote is 1-800-never-ever-ever-ever-ever <laughs> because that Thank was you, his, Yeah, of course, you, man. man. And and like I said, it, a lot of people, I, you were the first one I thought of when he passed away and, and his memory lives on. And, and the, the Tim and Sid focusing on the positive, that was a, that was very powerful because yeah, it's sad, but if you remember him for who he was, he was just, Oh man, there's, I could go on for hours about Kobe for sure. Um, and dropping 81 points against the Raptors will hurt forever, but that was just so impressive to watch. Um, just moving on a bit, what advice would you give to someone going into media? Like what would you tell someone going into like sports media, TV broadcast, whatever it is, what would you tell them? We're in precarious times and we're in, in the immediate future uncertain, but I have, I and millions of others have the confidence that sports life will return to our previous normal, despite existing in this new normal, which can be for an undetermined amount of time. It's been four months. It could be another year and four months until we get a vaccine, which is widely and globally available. So in this time, I would, I would advise like young people who are, who are wanting to get into media to sharpen their skills. So it's learning Photoshop. It's learning either Final Cut or Adobe Premiere. Um, it's, it's shooting video or shooting photos and obviously writing. So to it like sharpen your skills as your voice, not your physical voice, but your perspective on how you want, what kind of voice do you want to have? Like if you're in sports, are you going to be an analytical type? Are you going to use humor and sarcasm in your writing? Are you going to infuse pop culture into sports like Bill, Bill Simmons famously did? Will you be more like, are you, do you, will you center your field of view on one sport, whether it's hockey or baseball or basketball? Um, will, you, will you study the culture of the sport versus the minutia of the sports? Will you be an analytics guy, like heavy data in the way that you cover a sport? So the, there are many ways to take it. And you don't have to just 
focus on one of those areas. You can obviously blend those, but refining the voice, getting your reps in, whether you're doing podcasts like you are, Clayton, or whether you're doing clips on TikTok or one minute clips on Instagram, because you know the audience's attention span is a lot shorter, or maybe it's YouTube where the platform allows for longer essays or longer pieces, eight minutes, 12 minutes, 22 minutes. You know, guys like Nelk, they have like 22 minute episodes and it's like, they've now gone from pranksters to people that their audience is invested in. They care about um, Kyle and Steve and, um, you know, the other cats, I forget, Eric, you know, or like if, if it's in our own backyard at TSN, the Bar Down group has done an amazing job of making, of like bringing the audience into their world through the quizzes and all those testimonials and bringing them along the ride for their hockey hockey games and like they built a community people care about that community and now it's like they can just people want to see what they're doing in their lives and like that is a proxy to how they love hockey like all right i'm gonna watch i'm gonna watch these guys prank jesse for the 14th time by putting water in his stick or freezing his skates or whatever the thing is but um they've carved out a, a space in hockey culture and people have grown to love that. So I know that's a long-winded answer, but creating your own content is is very big. While you wait for an opportunity for a door to open, or you create the opportunity, you are like your material, your content is so compelling. Like you get the attention of stakeholders at a Sportsnet or a TSN or Yahoo or ESPN or whatever the um, or Vice or whatever the uh, media entity is, and they're like. Hey, no, we want to talk to this cat because we love the highlights that this person is creating. We love the humor that this person is bringing to their videos or into their writing. I just read a post the other day. Um, oh my gosh, I wish I could remember this account. It was like the Russian something machine on Twitter. And they had given out like report card grades. I mean, this is kind of serious, but in a humorous way, giving out report card grades to the public statements of anti-racism and police brutality in the wake of the George, George Floyd murder, murder by hockey teams. So looking at this, the response from the hockey teams and they were grading it and they had like eight categories. It was obviously, it's, it's heavy material, but their spin on it was excellent. And I was like, that is so smart. Um, turning a very negative thing into like a positive, like shining a light on, oh, there's some humor in this tragedy. So. That's what I would suggest. And I, I think that's, that's like my blog is the disability awareness, which I'll talk about their life and then their charity work. And it's, I find it, the humor brings light to the issue even more than the seriousness because it's, it's a little lighter and easier to take. Like the whole, the whole black lives matter thing is a rough issue to talk about. But I think if you do it right, th there's no real wrong or right way to do it. You know what I mean? As long as you're, you're shining that light. It's, it's working. And, and I, I saw that post on Twitter. I can't remember the name of the guy either, but that, that was pretty, it was a pretty cool uh, way to cover a serious issue, which I like. Was um, clever, yes. And so just the last question about your career here is what do you miss most about the score and TSN and moreover about Canada? I miss the people at the score. I miss the, the little fraternity of our, Montreal Expos Clubhouse, the stories, the inside jokes, tr 
trying to differentiate ourselves from TSN and Sportsnet at the time and trying to get some wins, whether it was court surfing or whether it was the way that Tim, Sid, and I did the score tonight, I would pop in on either Mondays or Fridays and we would do the plays of the week. We have a 15-minute block. And it was as though we're three guys in the basement goofing around and like the audience was there with us. I miss that. And that TSN, I miss, um, again, I miss some of the people that I worked with or worked closely with the, the, the squad on Bar Down. I miss, I miss working with my producer, Dave Crickst. And it was like Dave and I, what I miss Dave and I coming up with new ideas. It was very stressful, but new ideas, new props, new sketches that we could write for athletes that we hadn't had an interview before. So just before I left, I, the, my last five interviews on the on, at TSN were with Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Michael Thomas, Joey Bosa, and Emmanuel Sanders. Like it was a legit roster of NFL stars leading into the NFL season. And just trying to come up with something specific for each guy was awesome. And we, we created a Jeopardy game for Aaron Rodgers, uh, Emmanuel Sanders with it. We went on a deep dive on an, his Instagram account to find out like, he used to, he did some like epic shit. It's part of my language uh, type of activities in the off season. Joey Bosa was like he's a defensive end. Like he just goes to work. His his job is so blue collar. So we bought him like a construction vest and some some gloves. He's like yeah, orange is my favorite color. I'm like I didn't know that, but I'm glad you told me. Uh, Michael Thomas, we did this like name generator game because he shares a name with another another player uh, in the NFL, a safety for the Giants. And also his name is like Michael Thomas, a two-first name athlete. So, and then Patrick Mahomes, we brought him a game of death onesie made iconic by Bruce Will- uh, excuse me, Bruce Lee. Yeah, uh, it's, the movie is well before your time and mine as well, but the, the image of Bruce Lee in this yellow onesie, we brought one for Patrick Mahomes. He never wore it publicly, but I hope that maybe for Halloween this year or – at some point, he remembers that he has it, and he enters the game, uh, like, you know, walks off the bus wearing that, because that would just be unreal. So um, that's what I miss. Yeah, and what about Canada? What do you Canada, Canada. Canada. I miss A&W. I miss, um, I miss the number of sushi spots that were around my place. I lived in, uh, I lived in North York in Toronto. So I have my creature comforts, like my sushi place, my Indian place, my Mediterranean place where I get shawarmas. Uh, I miss going to Raptors games big time. Um, and then I miss some of the nightlife. I mean, that has obviously changed since like March 11th one, once like, once the NBA suspended its season and all the other leagues followed, that's when you know, like COVID-19 is for real, for real. Yeah. Um, so I miss some of the I miss some of the nightlife pre coronavirus, uh, but um, yeah, that's that's what I miss about home. Yeah, and you definitely don't miss the snow. I can almost guarantee that. No, man, I'm in Las Vegas, bro. It's like 39 degrees Celsius today in the in the wintertime. Like in January, it was probably like 21, 22, which is to a Canadian like summer, you know. And uh, so I. I did not miss it. It's the first time I missed the Canadian winter and it was glorious. My car really appreciated it. Oh, for sure. Definitely. So I have a little segment here called rapid fire that I do with my guests. I just asked a few uh, random questions. Let's so, do it clean. Yeah, for sure. So you grew up in Toronto. Who would be your favorite person from Ontario? Ontario. 
Um, wow. Um, it's a hard one, I bet, but. <laughs> that is a tough one. Cardinal official brings me joy. Um, whenever I see him, whenever I read his posts on Instagram, he brings me joy. And he's a funny dude. Um, Donovan Bailey gave me a lot of pride as a young person, just running, sprinting for Canada in the Olympics and being the fastest man. On the, like the most famous person on, in, the, in the world was a Canadian dude. Um, I guess originally from Jamaica, but grew up in Oakville. Um, hmm. Shout out to Oakville. That's where I'm from. My dad actually went to school with his brother. So there you go. Oh, nice. Okay, nice, yeah. nice. Um, Pinball Clemens came to mind, but he's from Texas, although, but now he's a Canadian and we fully embraced him. Um, favorite person from Ontario. Boy, oh boy. That is a tricky one, man. Uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll stick with card now because I, I don't have a, I, I can't think of someone who, um, who makes me laugh or brings me that level of joy that people know. Like I have like close friends and most of my best friends are obviously from Ontario, but people wouldn't know who they are. So public figures, I'd say Cardinal is right near the top of the list. Definitely. What's your favorite thing to eat? Sushi. Sushi number Sushi one. Sushi and, like and uh, salt and vinegar chips number two and the McDonald's French fries number three. There you go. I like that. I like that top three. It's a good one. If you could be any athlete living or dead for 24 hours, who would you choose? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that 24 hours would have to be, would start at the, right at the beginning of a championship. So the championship celebration, like that's where it starts. So for the next 24 hours, what that athlete's, life is like um as a champion in their respective sport uh so goodness gracious i mean being like oh my gosh like oh now so now i'm thinking of the world cup now i'm thinking of like that time that spain one in 2010 and they were the champions of the world. And then like, you know, when they go back to Spain and party, but then like, I think about, you know, being one of the Miami, being one of the Dallas Mavericks winning in Miami and then partying at live nightclub and Mark, and Mark Cuban bought a $250,000 bottle of champagne that night. Like that would have been, Insane. Winning a Super Bowl is obviously like, oh yeah, the, the, the Kansas City Chiefs just won in Miami. Ooh. Yeah, being Patrick Mahomes would be pretty cool for 24 hours. Being the MVP, being the... But I want to be like a single dude. So Mahomes has a girlfriend, his family's right there. So like, you'd have to be, you'd want to be like a single dude and like on the road. So... <laughs> I know I'm not answering your question. I'm trying to think of, um, yeah. Yeah. 
What's that? Sorry, I'm just yelling at my, my PSW just came to check on me. Okay. Um, let, let me, okay. So I would like maybe like Honey, like Tyron Matthew or someone, uh, somebody on the Kansas City Chiefs who won in Miami on February the 3rd or February the 6th, whenever Super Bowl 53 was, or 54, I think it was 53, just this past February in, uh, in 2020. So a member of the, so Travis Kelsey, Tyron Matthew, um, I'm trying to think of the, oh my gosh, Sammy Watkins, I don't know, one of those, I'll, I'll go with the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. Good one. I like it. That, that was a long thought. I like the long thought process. It's I'm not- sorry that this is rapid fire, and I I was about as slow as a turtle crossing an interstate. No, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, last one. Describe yourself in three words. Obnoxious, loud, um, fat. <laughs> it's a good one. Okay, moving on back to the questions, and we got a few minutes left here. So, the main thing that I was interested in was you've done plenty of work with motion ball, which is a charity that raises awareness and funds for special Olympics, Canada. Uh, Tell me a little bit about your role with motion ball and just like maybe one memory that you recall that it means something to you. I met Paul Etherington, who is the driving force of motion ball. He's got two brothers, Sean and Mark, and his father uh, was very instrumental in, uh, starting the charity or um, maybe raising awareness in Canada. I mean, it was, you know, obviously the, um, um, the Shriver family in, uh, I think the first Special Olympics, I want to say it was in Chicago, but don't, don't quote me on that. But Sh- uh, Maria Shriver's family was instrumental in, in creating these games and, and, and recognizing people with uh, physical, physical disability, like including them into, into the fun and games is an outlet to have fun and physical um, activities. So I met Paul Etherington, I want to say in 2005, or 2006, either we were at a charity event or we were just out and we became friends. And then I hosted seven or eight motion ball galas. I traveled to Calgary to host an event. I traveled to Halifax to host an event. Um, and now Devo Brown or Devo Brown's been hosting them for the past, I want to say five years, doing a phenomenal job. But that's how I, that's how motion ball popped up on my radar. And when Paul told me about it, I'm like, oh, that's cool. And one of the fondest memories is competing in the marathon of sports. So it's a full day. It's like an Olympics. We compete in, um, I don't know, 10, 12 games. You fundraise, you have a team, you have a few special Olympics athletes on the team. And it's just great community building. It's, you're meeting people you may have not meet, met before or you wouldn't run into like at Metro or whatever. So there's thousands of people that are participating and it's like, everybody has a great time. You play some games, you get some really competitive, um, but it's awesome. And um, ultimate Frisbee, harder than it looks. That was uh, one of the games where I used to just scoff at when I see people playing in parks. I'm like, get out of here with your ultimate Frisbee. That's so lame. I'd rather just play football, but it's, it's like a, it had me huffing and puffing. And also I'm not as fast as I think I am in my brain. Cause in your brain, when you're moving, you're like, yeah, I'm moving at a pretty good clip. But if someone's just across the street, just watching you, like I like to jog when they, I'm jogging basically at a walking pace and it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> so I definitely need some work on that. Um, but, um, in your mind, you're often, uh, you think you're faster than you are. So uh, I was shamed 
um, rightfully so when I competed in, and I, in the marathon of sport, I think I did in 2017 or 18 was the last time I participated. It's been a few years uh, and had a great time, but I was, I was definitely humbled on that day. Definitely. And, and are there any other charities that you support or advocacy groups at all? Uh, other than, uh, well, not, I don't, uh, I haven't, ho the, another, sorry, another charity event that I host is the Victory Ball, which Michael Clemens is the chairperson, or he's the driving force. And it's like a boxing event for um, local business people to like <laughs> fight other, uh, some one of their peers. So it's a lot of investment and uh, people in the financial sector, these Bay Street types will fight for three rounds, raise a bunch of money. And it goes to, Michael Clemens has a school, um, a school for at-risk youth in downtown Toronto. So it's raising funds for the school and uh, it's an alternative school. And it's, I mean, it does great work in the community because some kids have had, are living with very harsh circumstances and sometimes the traditional schooling system fails them. So there are limited options in this. And I, I wish I could remember the name of the school. I'm so sorry, this is terrible. Um, but there's, there are maybe 12 to 14 kids at the school and it's, it gets some grants from the provincial government, but a lot of it is through fundraising in the victory ball. I've hosted it with, um, Laura Ward, who's a producer at, um, eTalk. We've done it four times, I think. And I missed it this year because I was in, um, uh, oh, in 2019, we were, um, covering the Toronto Raptors championship run. Yeah. So in yeah. May, it was like right in the heart of, uh, of like the, I want to say the conference finals against Milwaukee or the East, the semifinals against Philadelphia. And I was traveling. Rod Black also hosted too. And, you know, he's part of the broadcast crew as well. So we didn't get to do it this year. 2020 probably, um, probably postponed. So hopefully I'll be back in 2021. Definitely. Well, thank you for all the uh, charity work. It's a, it's good to see for sure, especially Motion Ball. It's a it's quite uh it's quite heartwarming. Like the one thing I know, like the people with Down syndrome and developmental disabilities are the sweetest people you will ever agreed. Hundred percent cosine. There's just empathy, empathy, empathy all day, and they they don't like there's no selfishness at all, and it, it's a really a beautiful thing to see for sure. I agree. And well, that's about all I have. Cavi, thanks again for doing this. I really do appreciate it. It was a blast. My pleasure, Clayton. Thanks for having me. Yeah, anytime, anytime. And I'll, I'll send you a link out to watch it when it's posted. Okay, I appreciate that, bro. Thank you, man. It was great to meet you virtually. Uh, hopefully, I'll meet you in real life at one point when I get back home. Yeah, for sure. Sounds good, man. Take it easy. You good too, bro. The meeting. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. All right. Later. Bye-bye.